0: I am thankful for a church body that's willing to step up and serve and where God placed on their heart people, so many people that serve in this church, it's it's a wonderful thing to be a part of. I just pray this morning that you would um tune your hearts and your minds to what God has to speak to you this morning. When I get up here I don't ever want it to be just something that I speak, Lord, but that you see Jesus. Amen. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to Matthew chapter 25? <clears throat> I've been really struggling this week with this message. As a matter of fact, for about the last two weeks I've been preparing this message and I tried every way possible to get out of it. Um, I'm just going to warn you, it's not going to be an easy message this morning. It's not going to be a feel-good message. It's not the type of message that I like to preach. I like to tell stories and make you feel good and but sometimes <clears throat> we need to face reality. I've been told over the last few weeks, uh, I've been asking men, I said, you know what, if you was to preach one message, if there was some topic, if there was something that the church needs to hear, that people need to hear today, what would it be? And, and every one of them had the same message that people need to wake up. The church needs to wake up to what's happening around us. I was told just earlier this morning that <clears throat> uh, my brother Chase went to a, a Mavericks game yesterday and there was out there in the public, there was a man preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that was a wonderful sight to see, but he said the, the sad fact and reality was that everyone who heard him was mocking the man. That's the society we live in. That's right. I don't want to preach this message. This message is on the topic of hell. It's not an easy message. It's not something that I like to do, but it's something that we need to hear. And I believe that God has spoke clearly to me, and I, I pray that this morning that you would receive it with an open heart. I approach this subject with great humility. I approach this subject with fasting and prayer. I approach this subject, not to take it lightly, with full conviction. Understand the reality of what's facing someone when they enter into eternity if they don't know Jesus Christ. Now, Brother Randall's been preaching on living for the kingdom, that this world isn't all there is to offer. There is life after death. He's made it clear that we're living for a kingdom. If you've been born again, when you die, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, the Bible says. But that's for people who's been born again. I pray that you have been. That's for people who've trusted the gospel, who has been washed in the shed blood of the lamb. There's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ and the sacrifice on, on the cross that he made for us. Hallelujah for the saving grace of Jesus. But if you don't know him, and I fear that there's people here today, in fact, I'm convinced that there's people here today, you will mock this message. You will harden your hearts. You will walk out of these doors and you won't trust in Jesus. Oh God, I pray that you're not that person. I pray that you listen to every word that I have to say because I pray that its I'm just the vessel this morning and it's Jesus that's speaking directly to your heart. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 31, it says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, Then he will set on a throne of his glory and all the nations, all people will be gathered before him. He will separate the sheep. He will separate them one from another, the sheep on one hand and the goats on the other. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. And the king will say to those on his right hand, come you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. You know, one, one thing that's clear is that if God can create the, everything that we see in six literal days, can you imagine what heaven would be like since so it's been being prepared since the foundations of the world? Thousands of years. He said to his disciples, he said, lo, I leave so I can go and prepare a place for you. But that brings a reality. Into verse 41, he says, Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire. I want you to underline this in the Bible. Prepared for the devil and his angels. This is the same word prepared that he goes to prepare a place for his children in heaven. He prepared a place to punish the devil and his angels. Can you imagine what that place must be like? I hope anyone here, no one here has to ever experience it. You know, I was looking this this week as I prepared this message, and I I looked at several recent polls, and it says that in America, 76% of all people believe in some sort of heaven. They believe that their heaven exists, that God exists, and that there is a heaven. 76% of Americans. But out of those 76%, only 50% of those Americans believe that there is a hell. And the staggering statistic of that is that only 6% of the 50% believe that hell is a literal place where someone will go. 6%. The Bible is clear that hell is a real place. That brings me to my first point. The The title of today's message is hell. What is it? Who goes there and how do we avoid it? The first truth about hell that I want you to realize in this passage is hell is a real place. Hell is referenced over 160 times in the Bible. Over 70 of those times that hell is referenced to, our Lord Jesus Christ is the one that preached the message. And so I ask you today, if hell is not a real place, then why did Jesus spend so much time warning us about it? In Matthew 10:28. If they have that, I would ask them to pull it up. Matthew 10, 28 says, Jesus said, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather feel, fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. Hell is a literal place. Hell is described in four different ways or wordings. If you were to search it in your Bible, in our English language, I'm going to refer to them all here as one not going to go into the doctrines of all the differences, but the first one that you would look at is referred to as a place called Hades or Sheol, meaning the grave or the abode of the dead. It's simply life after death. Jesus made it clear, the Bible makes it clear that there is life after death. There are some who will teach today that when you die, that's just it, nothing else, or that there's reincarnation, and that's a fairy tale. It's alive from the pits of hell. Jesus said, when you die, you will; your body will go into the earth, but your soul will live on forever. The second thing that it's referred to as is Gehenna. And actually, this word, Jesus referred to this, and it was an actual literal place that they would have understood in that day. It was a valley outside of Jerusalem where they would have thrown the dead bodies. They would have been hung on the crosses. All all the criminals, all the murders who had no graves, they would throw it in this pit. It would be where the animal carcasses would go. It was a garbage dump. Can you imagine the stench of that place? They would often burn it to try to cover up the smell. Said the place was of great smoke and flames all the time trying to cover up the stench. This is what Jesus referred to when he says where the worm never dies because he said that the worms and the maggots would bury themselves deep into the mud, into the dirt when they would burn it. But as soon as the flame went out, they would come back. It's where the worm never dies. Can you imagine such a place? And this is the type of place Jesus said what hell is like. The third is found one time in the book of Revelation. It's a place called Tartarus. In Revelation, this is where the angels, the fallen angels, who exalted themselves and followed after Satan himself, and rebelled against God, this is where they are bound in chains in the bottomless pit. Can you imagine a place like this? This lets us know that where hell is, the demons are. Satan's not there. Don't look at these fairy tales and what you see in Hollywood that hell is some place where Satan is the head minion and he runs that place. Hell is a place of torture and punishment and Satan will be there being tortured in punishment for all eternity. The fourth is the lake of fire. This is the second death found in the book of Revelation. This would be the final judgment. This is where death and hell will ultimately be thrown. Hell now for a believer or an unbeliever. See when you when you die as a child of God, it's to be absent with the body, to be present with the Lord. Instantly you are in heaven with the Lord. The angels will carry you that carry you there. The, body, the, the scripture is clear, but if you die without Jesus, you will wake up in hell. Your body, just like a believer, your body, our bodies are not redeemed. Our bodies go into the grave, but our souls, our spirit goes on into heaven. But as an unbeliever, your body goes into the grave, but your soul, your spirit will be in hell awaiting the final judgment which will be cast into the lake of fire. And that is where your body and your soul will meet again and both will be punished forever. Hell is a real place. Which brings me to my second point of today's message. And I know everybody's uncomfortable. This is why I said I don't want to preach this message. But I have to listen to what the Lord tells me to do. And if you don't like a hellfire message, I understand that. But don't take it out on me because it's, it's in the Bible. This is what Scripture says. Sometimes I don't like it either. But this is truth. And I preach this message not to scare someone into making a, a decision out of emotion. But I preach this message to wake you up as a church of Jesus Christ. That this is what's happening to our families. This is what the, Saint, this, the Bible says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's dragging people with him. This is what he wants. He wants your family members. He wants your children. He wants people in this room to go to hell. Hell is a painful place. Don't get the idea that you're going to go and you one day that you're going to reject Jesus. You know, you don't believe what kind of a God would create hell anyways. And you've made up your mind. You're not going to follow Him. And you go to this place and you get the idea that it's going to be some party, some big party of sin and that you're going to enjoy it with all your buddies. That ain't what hell's about. Right. They'll paint that picture in Hollywood, but that isn't what the Bible says. Seven times Jesus said that this place will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Jesus said this seven times. This isn't a place of enjoyment. This isn't a party. In Revelation chapter 14, I want you to look at this. Revelation 14, verses 9 through 10, it says, Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives the mark on his forehead... And on his hand, he himself shall also drink the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out in full strength in the cup of his indignation. I want you to understand that hell is a place where God's wrath is poured out day and night. God's wrath is poured out on the people of hell day and night. It was created for the devil and his angels. You think the devil's going to go unpunished? Now he he may he may go right now and we may not see the the end results but one day it says you'll read here in a little while that justice will be given to him. In Luke chapter 16 Jesus gives a real story. Some will say it's a parable but Jesus never gives people real names in parables. And he talks about a rich man and Lazarus. One rich One poor man, one followed Jesus, one didn't. He said, in this life, the rich man, he fared pretty well. He had everything that the world had to offer. The other guy, he was just a beggar. He was nobody important, but he followed Jesus, so he was the rich one. Amen? And when they died, it said they both died, and that's that's one thing that we can't avoid, and we don't want to talk about, but one-in-one people die. See, we, we want to do everything we can to live as long as we can, and I believe in taking care of yourself, but eventually... We're all going to die. And it says the rich man woke up and he was in torment. And I want you to understand that. This is what the scripture says. Jesus said that this man woke up and he was in torment. Although he was absent from his body, his soul somehow felt physical pain. When you're in hell, you will feel pain. Not only that. He remembered. I think that's the worst of all, pain. It said he remembered his family members. He wanted to go warn them about it. Don't come to this place. I'm here to warn you, don't, don't leave here without knowing Jesus. He had regrets, and it was too late. He could do nothing about it. I imagine he had children, brothers, sisters. He actually says, let me go to my brothers and tell them not to come to this place. But you know, Jesus said, Father Abraham responded to him and said they have God's word they had the law, the prophets you were warned we told you not to go here you heard the messages, you went to church you've had the gospel preached to you but you hardened your heart and you walked out of here and you didn't take it serious there's people here today that is like this and I pray that you meet Jesus today before you walk out hell is a painful place I pray that you don't go there. Which leads me to my third point about hell. Fact about hell is hell is an eternal place. See, there were some that believe that that it only lasts a certain long that you can burn your sins off and then you're out, or that it's just an eternity. It's just separation from God, and that there's annihilation can't last forever, right? But the Bible teaches opposite of that. Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, makes it clear that he says, we'll read again, then he will also say to those on his left hand, depart from me, you curse, into everlasting fire. He also says in verse 46, and these will go into everlasting punishment. Now I want you to look, he says, Continuing on in there, he says, but the righteous into eternal life. Did you know that the wording here, the original language is the same word for eternal life as it is for everlasting punishment? So here's the thing. If hell isn't forever, then neither is heaven. Hell is eternal place. You're not just going to go there for a little while. You're not just going to die and be obliterated, and that's it. You just don't inherit the kingdom. There's some religion, some doctrine, some cults that will teach that. That's not the truth of God's word. Which will lead me to my fourth point. Who goes to hell? In Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, we read... Then those who are on the left, he will say, depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. I want to make something clear. God didn't create hell to send people there. God created hell for the devil and his angels. This was a punishment for the devil and his angels. You were never intended to go. But the sad thing is, is that in, in God's infinite love, perfect love, he gives us a choice. He doesn't force you to love Him. He gives you the choice. And you know, the Bible says something that's, that's very disheartening. He says that there's two types of people. There's none in between. You're either a child of God or you're a child of the devil. There's no in between. You know, some of the religious people, the Pharisees who came against Jesus, He told them, even the ones who went to church, even the ones who prayed, even the ones who outwardly looked like they had it all together. He told them that you are of your father, the devil. Even those who came up front and were baptized, but they had never trusted in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. They had never given their life. They had never repented of their sins. They had it all together on the outside. It's not just the murderers and the out-and-out sinners. You can miss heaven by one small little lie. Revelation chapter 20, I want you to go there. I want you to take this very seriously. Bible tells us when it's all said and done, when it's all over, after the tribulation period, after time is no more. Revelation chapter 20 verse 11 and says, Then I saw a great white throne. And him who sat on it, whose face the earth and the heaven, fled away. You know, the Bible says in John chapter 5, 22, that the Father judges no man, but judgment has been committed unto the Son. This is Jesus. So you will either meet Jesus as Savior or Judge. See, we don't like like that idea of Jesus. But Jesus is holy and righteous, and he is our Judge. You will face him one way or the other. It also says, and I saw the dead, both small and great, standing before God. You know, when I read this, I've heard this message always. It's like, it doesn't matter how insignificant, how poor, how rich, how popular, how important you are, you're going to stand before the Lord one day. But I also think that it's also telling us it doesn't matter how old or how young you are, you will stand before the Lord. See, we imagine that when you go to the nursing homes, when you talk to the elderly, that just all these elderly people, they just happen, they just we know they're going to heaven, they've got to believe in Jesus, but that ain't the truth. Right. Or how about these young ones? You know, it doesn't know how young it is, but there's an age of an accountability, and it can be different for all people. But at some point when this child, whether they're 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 12, 13 years old, when they realize what sin is, And that it separates them from God. They understand that they are a sinner in need of a Savior. And they reject it. And they go on sinning. These will stand before the judgment of the Lord. Your children. My children. It says, and books were opened. Books were opened. And then another book was opened, which was the book of life. What are these books? Well, maybe it's the books of Moses. Maybe it's the law, because it says you're going to be judged by your works. He's going to compare the law and the works. The Bible says that our works are as filthy rags. There's not one person here who's not sinned. And one sin separates you from God. Jesus said if you committed one, then you're guilty of them all. No one's going to make it on their works. What are the other books? Well, I think it's a recording of your life. Books are open. You know, the Bible says that in the end, and Luke tells us that in the end, all of the things that you've done, your deeds done in the dark, in the secret, your thoughts, what you thought nobody saw, every action, every thought, every motive, everything you've ever done is going to be replayed in these books. Maybe it's a movie. It's going to be open. It's going to be brought to light. Everything you thought about that person. Everything you did. You know the Bible says, Jesus said if you look upon a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery in your heart. All of these things are going to be coming to light. No one's going to escape the judgment. No one's going to be there pleading your case. This is a courtroom setting. There's a judge and there's a sentencing, but there is no lawyer, there's no attorney there. It's too late at this point for you. Jesus is your only advocate. And it says, And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. And the sea gave up its dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to their works. And then death and hell was cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. I want you to underline this in your Bibles. And then anyone who was not found, anyone, again, no matter how old, how young, what they did, if they did not trust in Jesus, they will be cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. I told you it's not an easy message. But I pray that we take it seriously because there are thousands of people every day entering into eternity who don't know Jesus. How do you avoid going to this place? Matthew chapter 25 verse 34, Jesus told us. If you look back in Matthew... Matthew chapter 25. If you hear and you don't know Jesus, I paid you to listen to this part. If you hear nothing else, I want you to hear this. Matthew 25 verse 34, he says, Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come you blessed of my father and inherit the kingdom. What is an inheritance? You don't earn an inheritance. Inheritance is a gift. You have to be born into the family to Receive an inheritance. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 through 4, if you would pull that up. It says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel. This is the good news, the gospel of salvation, which I preached to you, which you also received. You received the good news of the gospel. You have to receive it. You have to receive an inheritance. You have a choice to reject it. You have to receive it. He says, This is how you are saved when you receive the gospel on which you also stand. You know what that means? That you trusted in the finished work of the cross. You have trusted Jesus. You have trusted his righteousness, not your own. It's a free gift of salvation. You can't earn it. He also goes on to say about the death, burial, and resurrection. The Bible is clear that there is no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. Jesus died on the cross. He shed his blood to forgive our sins. It's in that alone that you trust. It's the goodness of God that brings a man to repentance. If you don't understand what Jesus saved you from, you don't understand repentance. It should cause a repentance in you when you realize where you were headed and that Jesus stands in the way. Let me tell you something this morning. God doesn't send anyone to hell. You crawl over the cross of Jesus Christ to get there. The Bible says that you will crawl over, trodden underfoot the blood of the cross to get to hell. You've crawled over this message. You've crawled over 25 years of Randall's preaching to save you from this, to preach you, to warn you not to go there. All the messages, every messenger, you know, in Luke 16, he said, you had the law and the prophets. You've had his word. You've had many of times to receive the gospel. God doesn't. You don't just die. Never heard of the gospel? God will make a way. It doesn't matter which tribe, which culture, where you're from, where you're at. God will reveal himself to you if you just open your eyes. Everyone has a chance to be saved. Everyone. I preach this message not to scare you into making a decision, but to open our eyes. And I want to give you a quick statistic. This is something I read and I looked in many different areas. And it's very accurate. This says worldwide, on the average, 150,000 people die each day worldwide. On the average, 150,000. Think about that for a minute. 150,000 people will enter into eternity every day. Out of those 150,000, out of everybody in the world, 31% of the world's population claims some sort of Christianity. 31% of the world's population. And that's lumping Catholic, every doctrine, everything together. Protestants, Catholics alike. We know that not everyone who claims, Jesus said, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this? Wasn't we a Christian? did not we, we part of the Baptist church? He says, I never knew you. So we know that not everybody who claims Jesus is going to heaven. We know that they don't all are, have salvation. They haven't been truly converted. But let's just say for these statistics sakes that 31% who claim Jesus are true believers. That still means that over 100,000 people one hundred thousand people every day step into a devil's hell, and the sad reality is, as Jesus said in the parable of the sower, that three out of the four rejected God's word. That means three out of four people will die and go to hell. That means people in this room. You'll say, "Oh, not me, not my family." Sadly, that's the truth. See, we want to hear messages like this and, and not take them serious We want to walk out of here and we want to say, man, that guy's just a hellfire preacher. I ain't going back to that church. No, I, I love you. You might say, well, that's not a loving message. I believe it's not love to not warn you. How many of you would send your kids out in this highway as a car's coming, knowing what's about to happen to them, wouldn't warn them? Just allow them to be run over. Nobody. How can we get up here and not warn you of what's coming? This is why we preach. Because we know what's coming. One day you may take your last breath. Jesus might come back today. We don't know. But I pray that you don't leave here without knowing Jesus. God, I pray that my children know you. I don't want to ever stand up here and preach a message. And just believe that everyone here is all saved and everything's, everybody's going to heaven because that's not reality. And so I'm willing to take your punishment. I'm willing to take you not liking me to warn you from this place because I believe it's real because Jesus said it was. If the hell's not real, then none of the Bible's real. If hell's not real, heaven's not real. And I'm looking forward to heaven. I'm looking forward to this isn't all bad news there's good news Jesus stands in the way the Bible says that God doesn't want anyone to perish but all have eternal life this is why Jesus came lived the perfect life we couldn't live died on the cross take our place our punishment you know it said it pleased the Father to pour out the wrath because he knew the fruit that would come from it that we would have a chance and an opportunity to accept Jesus and spend eternity in heaven with him. You know the Bible says that we are his inheritance. And that the Bible says that the angels rejoiced over one sinner. It comes to salvation. Why? Because they've been there. They've been to hell. They have to take people there. They don't want you to go there. Jesus doesn't want you to go there, and I don't want you to go there. I pray that you hear. That you don't miss this opportunity. And in closing, I want to ask you to stand with me. <clears throat> and I want you to understand that it is our responsibility as the church to do something about it. The Bible says that we, those who have been born again, washed in the blood of the Lamb, are ambassadors. We represent Jesus. And that scripture goes on to tell me and you that it's God who is pleading through us to be reconciled to Christ, to warn people, to preach the gospel to them. This is why I'm not satisfied living casual Christianity. This is why I can't just go and sit in a pew every Sunday And be happy with listening to good music and good preaching and go on about my business and never preach the gospel. Never do anything about it because I believe it's real. And if you believe it's real, you should do something about it. We have to wake up. You know, Jeremy told me that this last trip they went on that almost the whole state of Wyoming is being taken over by false religion. He comes back to Texas to find Muslims praying in parking lots taking over the whole place. Chase tells me that There's one man standing in a crowd of thousands of people preaching the gospel and thousands of people are mocking him. This is the culture we live in. This is reality and it's because we, the church, have sat by and done nothing about it. We have to live with an urgency, an expectancy, a reality of hell before we can ever understand and grasp the glory of heaven. It's our responsibility to do something about it. So as Jacob or the band comes up, and I'm going to ask Chase to come up, I want to end this a little bit different. I want to give you a time to really reflect on this message and and that person. That one that's coming to mind right now, the reality that someone in your family, maybe someone here, one of your loved ones that doesn't know Jesus, and you know it. Maybe you've missed the opportunity. Maybe you haven't ever said anything about it. Or maybe you've prayed for them many a times. The Bible says pray without ceasing. I want to give you this opportunity. As a time of invitation, I ask that nobody leaves. As they start to play some music, Chase is going to pray a very specific prayer. And this prayer is a time of invitation. You can stay where you're at. You can come up here. You can Pray it out loud. You know, one thing I want you to understand is I I know without a doubt that I can keep quiet. I can pray in my mind. The Holy Spirit will intercede and that God knows your prayers but the devil, he doesn't know your thoughts. There's power in speaking prayer out loud. You're binding spiritual forces. This is spiritual warfare. I want to give you that opportunity. Just call it out. Pray for those people. Don't walk out. Hurry to the restaurant. We're going to give you this moment as he prays. You can come up here. You can pray where you're at. Would you please pray for the salvation of people? Pray for our leaders, if nobody else. Pray for our country. For the salvation of all these people. For these children that we're raising up. Would you do that this morning? Would you call him out? Would you pray? And as he ends this, you will be dismissed. When his prayer is over, you're welcome to leave. And he'll play you on out. I love y'all and I thank you. I thank God for the opportunity to to share his word. I thank you that you love him enough to do something about it. Thank y'all.
1: I've never stood up here and talked in front of anybody, but You know, Jake wants me to pray, but I feel like the Lord wants me to share this. Uh, He's opened my eyes the last couple weeks a lot. You know, I've been saved for almost two years now, which is, I'm very thankful for that. But uh, over the last two weeks, uh, he's been moving a lot in my life, and he's been allowing me to show people how to love. He showed me how to love and how to show my wife how she deserves to be loved, show people around me how they deserve to be loved, because I haven't, I'm not like that, but Jesus is like that. And... Him, through him showing me that, he's showed me. I mean, it's very personal, you know. He, he, if you're out there and you're not saved, he he loves you enough to put us up here, put Jake up here, put Randall up here in front of you every single week to show you that he actually loves you. It's not, it's not a coincidence. I believe that nothing is a coincidence. I believe that, you know, he he had you specifically in mind. Whoever he may be talking to, he has you specifically in mind. It blows my mind. I can't even think about it. But he's so good, and I just want to share that. But. God, I just thank you so much for who you are, Lord. I thank you for just <laughs> loving us enough to think about us every single day, Lord, and for millions and billions of people in the world, Lord, and and you love me and you love each and every single one of these people standing here today, God, and and I, I know that people don't want to hear about hell, and but Lord, I pray that uh, that their minds and hearts are open to it, God, because it's a it's a message of love. You you had Jake stand up here and preach on hell because you love your people and. And you don't want them to go there. You want them to see you and and accept your love, Lord. It is a decision, but I just I know that you love them enough to to have him stand up here and tell them about what's coming, Lord. Because, it I believe that it's coming and it's coming quickly, and and God, it's real. And I just pray that these people see that, Lord, and that that none of this is a show. This is all these men that stand up here every single week, Lord. I, I've seen it, and I know that they love you. And God, I pray that they see that. And I just thank you for putting them in in this church and letting me be a part of this church, Lord. Uh, God, I it's just helped me see your love so much. And and Lord, I just uh, I have family, uh, my parents and my brothers and sisters. And I, you know, it's not a place for me to judge, but the Bible shows us fruits of a believer and an unbeliever. And Lord, your word just shows us how we can and see the difference and. And I have family and I have friends that, that they don't have fruits. And, God, I just pray that uh, that you would just break them down and allow them to see themselves as what they are, Lord. And uh, I just pray that they can look up on the cross, Lord, because you're so good that you sent your only son. Anybody that has kids knows knows the love and they have an idea of the love. I don't think we understand the love fully. But, God, I just thank you so much that you can love us enough to send your only son down here to take the sacrifice for what we deserve, God. And I just pray that anybody here that doesn't know you today, Lord, that they can just accept that love and and that they would just have an eternity with you, Lord. And I just thank you so much for everything that you do, Lord. And I pray this in your holy and precious name, Jesus Christ. Amen. amen.